0: Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into GC Live Afternoon Drive. I see some of the comments. Sorry for the delay. We're just trying to tie the ends on some loose knots on this end, and hopefully we'll be able to provide those that, that information to you guys uh, sooner rather than later. It might not necessarily be during this show, but as you guys are well aware, between the transfer portal, coaching searches, all that other fun stuff, this offseason has been uh, very entertaining, to say the least and it will certainly continue tomorrow as South Carolina has announced that Shane Beamer will be introducing his new assistant coaches tomorrow. Again, press conference is set for 4 o'clock. Gamecock Central will have that. If it is a live stream, GC will have that link for you on Gamecock Central. If it's not live, then we will have that video for you up to go as soon as it is done. Having said all that, it is getting to the point now Where South Carolina is, when you're looking at it from a transfer portal standpoint, because of the number of scholarships that they are projected to have in the fall, and we'll get into that a little bit because that was something that appeared today on the Insiders Forum, and some of you guys are well aware of how that works, but I'm sure it's not a bad thing to reiterate Some of these things, certainly when you look at where South Carolina stands with that projected number being over the 85 limit and explaining how that all works and why it's really nothing to be worried about, especially at this point. uh, We'll also talk about the new additions for South Carolina, because since the last time we did GCLI afternoon drive, there's been some new additions. One of those players happened to be in the quarterback room for the Gamecocks. They've actually added two, but one on scholarship. So we will get into that as well. Some overall thoughts on what that means for the QB room moving forward as we get closer to spring football starting up. I know it's January 18th, but before you know it, spring ball will be here at spring football game. It's looking like it's going to happen in April. Hearing different things around that April 20th date. Nothing has been announced yet, but that is something to keep an eye on as well. Good to have everyone in here. John, appreciate you tuning in. Greg? Sorry for the delay. Another Greg. What's happening, Yuba? Good to see you. Good to see you guys, too. Beard's a little out of control. Apologize for that. Again, it's been a busy morning and busy early afternoon as we continue to monitor what's going on in the world of Gamecock football. William, good to have you on here. Where do you want to begin today, guys? Where do you want to begin? Last Friday... I reported, and we kind of talked about this on Tuesday, so I'm going to bring this up. Appreciate everyone that tunes into the GC Live Talking Tuesday shows, but maybe you're just a Thursday listener, so maybe you've missed this. Today on Quick Slants on Gamecock Central, the weekly story that I put out on Thursdays, where I just kind of share some thoughts. And sometimes it's, you know, opinion, sometimes it's information. Today was a little bit of both. When we were talking about Sterling Lucas, the report that I put out on Friday as to what was the reasoning behind South Carolina giving him the bonus. Well, there were two things that I was told, and I put this in my report. The first being that a handful of teams over the last several weeks have reached out trying to lure Sterling Lucas away from South Carolina. The most recent team to do that, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if you may recall, Lucas has experience a couple of years back, worked with the Ravens. And with what he's been able to do in a short time period here, because it's, shoot, he's been here only for a couple years. He's been doing an outstanding job, both as a recruiter, as well as developing players. And the players absolutely love him. So you look at it from the NFL standpoint. Okay, team's trying to take him away. But on top of that, talking about the recruiting side of it, he's done an outstanding job with recruiting. Outstanding job in recruiting. He played a role with being able to land Nicholas Harbor because Harbor, of course, was an athlete coming out of high school, tight end slash defensive end. He also played a big, big role with being able to land five-star edge Dylan Stewart, who arrived on campus two weeks ago. And if you recall, if you look at Dylan Stewart's Twitter, his biopic is actually a picture of Sterling Lucas. So it just goes to show you how much this guy means to these players. I bring that up, though, because being able to keep a a guy like Sterling, never mind the development side of it, never mind the recruiting side of it, but when you look at what's going on with college football today, you look at the situation, this is what I wrote today, in quick slants. It's not true apples to apples, but you look at the situation today right now in Alabama, you lose a legendary coach in Nick Saban and the number of players who have left over the last week. When they showed up there, they wanted to play for Nick Saban. They wanted to play for, and I know Gamecock fans aren't going to want to hear this. Robertson, who was over there at Alabama, formerly in South Carolina. Now he's at Georgia reunited with Will Muschamp but those guys are gone and multiple players on that coaches on that staff are gone as well. So I bring that up because we can play the what if game. And I know fans don't like hearing this because they want to feel like, all right, a player is committing to the university. And that's not to say that any in particular player in that edge room was committed strictly to playing for Sterling Lucas. But the point being is if you're Shane Beamer, You don't want to even take a chance with that. You want to do what you can to show Lucas that you value him. And by giving him that bonus, not only do you show him that, but it's an investment as far as making sure that your players aren't going to be hopefully leaving in that defensive end room. Lucas leaves. Who's to say someone doesn't take off? And I'm not saying after the spring. It could be a year from now. But it's just playing up to speed with how this new era of college football is. So I think very important to be able, we talk about player retention all the time, trying to retain your coaching staff the best you can. And certainly there's going to be opportunities. You'll get Jody Wright going to Murray State, having a head coaching opportunity. Can't knock him. You know, if there was another coach on staff that wanted to go be a head coach somewhere, it's difficult to knock him for that. Or an opportunity to go coach in the NFL. But you do whatever you can to make sure they don't go. Certainly if you feel like they are a difference maker, like Sterling Lucas has been in his short time at South Carolina. So that's the first thing that I bring up. The second thing on Quick Slants this week, and we kind of alluded to this on Tuesday, about the contract situation and how the report from the state newspaper about how South Carolina had three assistants who were presumed by everyone, including Gamecock Central, to be working under expire contracts, had actually received extensions this past spring as well as in the summer. Chris Clark outlined this earlier in the week on his insider report on the latest on coaching and recruiting. And to sum it all up, as I put in my my piece today, Justin Stepp got an extension in March. Strength and conditioning coach Luke Day got an extension back in June. And defensive line coach Travian Robertson received one in August. These contracts were set to expire on December 31st of 2023. They were extended now to December 31st of 2024. So how did this happen? How does this just go by? All of us at Gamecock Central, as well as a lot of other outlets, I can tell you from talking to colleagues. Contracts that don't exceed a certain amount now do not have to go before the board of trustees for approval. That is a new change and emails were not sent out. I don't know what USC is planning to do moving forward. I can tell you that from a media standpoint, we weren't thrilled about it. A lot of us, um, we can tell you that we'll all be doing our due diligence now, moving forward, checking on these things right month to month now, but this is a new policy that was put in place. And instead those contracts can now be handled at the administration slash athletics level. It doesn't have to go in front of the board if it doesn't exceed a certain amount. And I believe, according to the state, I want to make sure I get this correct, I believe the state newspaper said that m- amount, according to a spokesperson at USC, they reported that it's 650000 So if it's 650000 or more, then it has to go in front of the board. If it's less than that, it doesn't. So hopefully that clarifies why some of that information, because, I mean, shoot, we've been talking about it. We've been talking about Justin Stepp working on an expired contract. That's how these things happen. So hopefully that makes some sense and clarifies some things for people that probably are curious about that. Uh, The other thing, too, talking about Justin Stepp, I also put this out today on Gamecock Central. He is the tight ends coach, and I don't understand... Where this confusion is coming from. I don't know if it's social media. I don't know what it is. Never mind the report that we put out. On Friday. But later on that that night. On Friday. The University of South Carolina. Shane Beamer. They announced. That Step. Is the tight ends coach. And not only that. But he's been out recruiting tight ends. Over this past week. As the coaches have been. On the road recruiting. Of course. James Coley is sliding into that wide receiver role as he comes in. You've heard some of the things that we've talked about on Gamecock Central. I'm sure Chris and Wes have talked about it as well. Some of the things we've we've wrote as well. But the notion is that Coley, between his recruiting abilities, what he's done at other schools, Georgia as well, with wide receivers, that Beamer is Beamer's looking for a spark, and that's the notion based on conversations I've had with people involved with the program in the building. Um, that's 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 the notion that we've got, and it's not anything against Justin Step, but you know, sometimes you know you bring someone in, you're trying to find things to to tweak around a little bit, and you feel like it's gonna help your program, and that's kind of where things are. And as I've reported before, does that mean? Justin Stepp can't leave. No, of course he can leave. I mean, this happens, you know, things happen, right? But bottom line is Justin Stepp is at South Carolina. He's the tight ends coach. He's been out recruiting for the past week, tight ends. And he's committed to helping South Carolina win. Jody Wright, of course, goes to Murray State. Was there an interest in being able to get Justin over there from the conversations I've had with people over the last week? Yes. Didn't happen, though. Didn't happen. So, that's the sum it up. If you want to read the full story on Gamecock Central, head on over there. If you're not a subscriber, sign up for $1 for the first month for Gamecock Central. All right. What else we have here today? Got that out of the way. Greg says, I'm not actually looking at you. I'm only grateful for your presence and material. I appreciate that, Greg. Greg is repping USC from a chilly Nantucket. Bill Belichick is not there. I can... Guess, right, Greg? I know Belichick owns property out there, but Belichick's been talking with the Falcons as of late. Greg says, over 40 on only two likes. Hit the like button. Let's see. Greg says, any word on the dynamic and understanding between Step and the new assistant from Texas A&M, I think it's just like anything, you know, in a, in a working environment, right? I mean, it's certainly from talking to people, you know, is Justin Step thrilled about it? I'm sure he's not thrilled, mainly because he put a lot of work in recruiting a lot of those players in that room, right? I mean, you build relationships up, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about football and you're talking about, you know, needing to get results and trying to do whatever you can and speaking from a CEO standpoint, right? Jane Beamer's the CEO. You're going to do whatever you can to be able to find ways to, you know, put yourself in a position to continue to improve. And losing Jody Wright, you look at the situation that South Carolina currently is in, all right, Beamer really likes Coley. Bringing a guy like Coley, like I said, phenomenal recruiting background, has done some really nice things from a development standpoint, and I keep hearing a lot about what he did at Georgia with the wide receivers. I bring that up because if you really like someone, you really like someone, and you're looking at it as, all right, this is someone that's had a lot of success developing wide receivers. There's a lot of new faces in that wide receiver room this year. This might make sense to do it now. Now, having said that, moving a guy like Justin over who's had success in the past in being able to develop wide receivers. And I, I think that's one thing that's bothered me seeing comments over the last week or so i think this is naturally what happens right when there's rumors and speculation about someone either not being happy here or something like this happening right A coach gets moved over or maybe they get bumped to being an analyst which obviously is not the case here you'll have a portion of a fan base and specifically speaking of course with south carolina because i mean we cover the gamecocks you guys are gamecock fans that i see will start be like well you know yeah, he's not, he didn't do a great job with this. He didn't do a great job with that. Were things perfect? Certainly not. But we could say that about a lot of positions. We could say that about the offensive side of the ball. We could say that about the defensive side of the ball. When you look at it and what South Carolina has done and some of the things that Justin Stepp has been a part of, right, from a wide receiver standpoint in his three years here, there's been one wide receiver that has really just took off every year. Every year. Right? You think back to this past season. Xavier Leggett. Four previous years here, was there anything that he really did? No, I mean, you add up the numbers for the number of receiving yards he had, and he blew that out of the water this season alone. He had a historic season, historic season for the Gamecocks. And it was much needed because Juice Wells went down. Juice Wells, phenomenal wide receiver at the FCS rank before making the climb up. I know JMU is now FBS, but at the time he's playing FCS, but he helped him turn into a dynamic wide receiver in his first year. So I bring those things up. I bring those things up because, you know, with South Carolina, with South Carolina and some of the things that we've seen them do over the last couple of years, I think it's important just to remember, and I mean, shoot, throw in Josh Van as well. The the season that Josh Van had. Beamer's first year, Justin Sepp's first year back in twenty twenty one. And I mean, I mean it was it was quarterback roulette at the time, but the type of season that Josh Van was able to have at South Carolina. I mean, you think back to what Josh did during his career. I mean, that twenty twenty one season in particular, he had a, a bunch of hundred yard receiving games. He was banged up a little bit, wasn't able to, you know, take things to that next level that following year. But Juice Wells, of course, took off. So I say those things because with Justin Stepp, he's someone that has developed wide receivers, developed talent. Moving over into a tight end room, obviously, that tight end room is much smaller, number wise, in comparison to how many wide receivers you have. And from talking with people, this is something that, could help Step. Step ultimately wants to be a head coach one day. And while it's not a requirement to, okay, coach that position, coach this one, and it's, you know, kind of like bingo, and you're checking off the square. No, but it can only help him. So there's what this tells me, and I think a lot of people look at this and they look at it the complete wrong way. What this tells me is South Carolina was able to identify a coach that they really liked. That was available in Coley, and they're bringing him in. But they also find value with Justin Stepp, and they don't want to lose him. So instead of just replacing him altogether, they're moving him over to a position that is now open since Jody Wright is no longer here. That's, that's how I take it. That's just my opinion on the situation. Let us know what you guys think on that. And Greg mentions, I see that being a struggle, retaining staff as well as players during this period. Again, coaches are going to leave. Players are going to leave. You know, you, you do the best you can with being able to retain coaches. If you're having success, certainly in any shape, way, or form. It doesn't even necessarily have to be from a wins-loss standpoint. Because obviously South Carolina, from a win-loss standpoint, they struggled last year. But they've been able to have success When you look at what Sterling Lucas has been able to do, he's been able to have success in ways that would certainly grab the attention of other programs, or in this case, the NFL. And I think from a college standpoint, I don't want to say, you know, I never want to say never, but I think there would have to be a really, really, really unique opportunity for him to leave South Carolina from a college standpoint. Money could be, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what drives. Sterling, I think he's happy here, but to me, it would have to probably be the NFL. That would take him away. And for at least right now, with what South Carolina was able to offer him, he's happy here. He's happy here. Lauren asks, what are your thoughts on Blackwell? So Markwell Blackwell, that was the news that was reported last week. By 24-7, give them credit for the scoop The deal, we're still waiting on it, make sure everything's official I know, as I mentioned, tomorrow, South Carolina will be introducing their new assistant coaches And I know some people have been asking, wait, is this you know coming up? Is that coming up tomorrow? Um, with Blackwell, still haven't confirmed that yet I know my colleagues haven't confirmed that yet, that he'll be part of it as we put out on Friday night, at least as of 6 p.m. on Friday, the contract wasn't even sent over yet. You had a holiday on Monday, so that slows down the process a little bit. And that's kind of where we stand right now. Um, now, I could sit here making an assumption that he's part of it tomorrow. But again, it's you know we'll wait until we can confirm everything. But going back to overall thoughts, I mean, he's someone that has had success with developing talent. You know, we talked a lot. We talked a lot about Newland Isaac from Liberty. And from the sounds of it, the more his name started to heat up and pick up here in Columbia, it sounded like Liberty did what they could to make sure that he wasn't going anywhere. So, having said that, Having said that, we're talking about Marquell Blackwell. You know, he's somebody that has experience in the SEC. It's not just at Texas AM, he's also been at Ole Miss. He's also been at, let's see, moving around here, looking at some of the schools he's been at Florida. He's also been at Toledo, and the reason I bring up Toledo, because if you guys have been watching the playoffs the last couple of weeks in the NFL and some of the things that have been going on know the Browns got eliminated, but Kareem Hunt played at Toledo, and he had an opportunity to be coached under Blackwell for a season. And I think he had over 1,000 yards that year as well. So I, I bring that up because, I mean, he's someone that has been around the block. Um, I also think he's someone from talking with people from the development side of it, and you think about how loaded that that room is, how much talent's in that running back room. We joked around about this on Tuesday. To me, and this is no disrespect to Blackwell or any running back coach for that matter, to me, you just bring someone in that can't, you know, and the bottom line is just don't screw it up. Like it, Don't screw it up. I joked the other day, throw intern Joe in that room for crying out loud. Let him have a headset. Let him coach the running backs. I think that room is just too damn talented for it not to have some type of success. So if you bring in a running back coach like Blackwell, who, like I said, you talk to people, he's really good with development. He's really good with being able to get the most out of his players. Just that alone, that alone in that room, you should be able to have success. And not just that room, but I also look at what South Carolina has on their offensive line. And we've done an early breakdown this offseason, position to position. We're continuing to go through that series. We've talked a lot about the offensive line room. 16 scholarship players, and a lot of them have experience. A lot of them have experience. Certainly from this past season, when you look at the number of injuries that South Carolina had to go through, it's looking at it now like a glass half full instead of glass half empty when you're going through the situation, right? I mean, in a perfect world, you don't have two true freshmen starting on the offensive line, eight games. But that was the case for South Carolina. They had to go through that. And while that wasn't a perfect scenario, and we saw how that played out at times for USC because of the number of injuries going back to even the spring with Jalen Nichols and how everything you worked on in the spring Essentially, it went right out the window when you were going into fall. When you were heading into fall camp, you had to basically start over from scratch because your left tackle was gone, and you were playing musical cheers. Right tackle, he goes gone. Bye-bye, week one. So USC was always trying to play this catch-up game. This year, they have a lot of depth. There's going to be some good competition, some good, healthy competition in that offensive line room. So when you combine that... On top of the fact that you have a talented running back room, a lot of young talent, but you also do have some experience in there as well. Obviously, that starts with Rocket Sanders. But you have a lot of talent in that room, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see the development side of it and how those running backs are able to grow, especially those younger ones over time. Tate York says, I believe the DB from Bama is going to Georgia. Haven't really been paying attention to that, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We don't really focus on that much too much here on the show. But since I read it, I'll entertain it. Chad says, have we reached out to Bama players entering the portal? Well, obviously, and I know you're not talking about this, but just for you know, to cover all our bases here, certainly South Carolina has been able to add a player from the portal via Alabama, but That was going on really before everything started to fall apart there. And I say fall apart. I think you guys know what I mean with Nick Saban leaving. But as I go back, and just want to make sure I pull everything up for you guys. Here is it with good wine A transfer from Alabama appeared in two games last season, recorded no stats stands at six foot four, 290 pounds has two years of eligibility left. So obviously that took place beforehand. I know you're asking something a little bit different, but I just wanted to cover our bases because someone will be out there saying, wait a minute, they added an Alabama transfer. They did, but Not exactly what Chad is talking about right now. And this is going to bring us into our next point talking about with the number of scholarships that South Carolina has offered so far. As of right now, South Carolina is sitting at 89. Now, we've done this before in the past. If you guys aren't familiar with this, you can head on over to the Gamecock Central page. This is a tab that I would highly, highly, highly recommend keeping a tab for. Because you're able to see how many scholarships South Carolina has offered. Where they're at right now with things as far as the projected number for the fall. And you're also able to get an idea of what class they're in. Now, of course, with COVID-19, some medical red shirts, different things like that. It gets unique sometimes when you're looking at this chart. Because like a guy like Luke Doty, he still has, you know, two years of eligibility remaining, crying out loud. So I say that just to say, you know, keep those things in mind. But here is what we're looking at for South Carolina from a scholarship standpoint. And I know we've done this a couple of times this offseason, but until this roster is pretty much, I wouldn't say cement in cement, because I'm sure things might change a little bit after spring ball. But as you guys can see, right now they're projected to be four over the scholarship limit for the fall. These things typically work themselves out. So I wouldn't lose sleep over it. I noticed some people talking about it on the message board today. I think one person brought up that Georgia is sitting at like 92 currently. Again, these things work themselves out. Now, why? how, how does these things work themselves out? Well, first and foremost, you don't have to be at that 85 limit until the season starts. So they have plenty of time, right? We're sitting here in January. They have plenty of time. Number two, I mentioned the transfer portal, that second window, that spring window that will be opening up in April. I've said this before. This isn't me just trying to dangle anything in front of you from like, you know, dangling a carrot in front of you. As to okay, Mike knows someone's gonna leave. No, no, no. But I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked when you look at some of these positional groups, especially the depth in some of them. After we go through spring, I wouldn't be shocked for a player to enter the portal simply because they might look at the writing on the wall and they might look at, man, you know, I was hoping to be, you know, the number two in this group. Or man, I was I was hoping I was gonna be competing for a starting spot or wherever the case may be. They might be on the bottom of the depth chart for their positional group. And they might look at it and say, you know what? Mm, I'm going to, I'm going to take my chances somewhere else. So that's why I bring that up simply because I think it's important. I think it's important to just keep in mind when we look at these numbers that really, especially this far out, I wouldn't get so caught up on them. Vincent says, Mike, next quick slants can you get us an injury update for instance how is ryan's rehab going thank you well vincent shane will be speaking tomorrow i know that the press conference itself probably won't get too deep into you know how players health wise but sometimes it gets brought up having said that having said that if Shane specifically brings it up tomorrow, or if it gets brought up by someone, excuse me, and Shane specifically talks about it, then we will have something right from the horse's mouth. If we don't, we will continue to do some digging on how his rehab's going. I know the last update on Mo Kaba came on early National Signing Day, which is about a month ago now at this point. And what Shane said at that point was Mo is going well. His his rehab going well. He's making good progress. So we'll continue to keep you updated on how guys that are going through injuries and dealing with the rehab process, how they're doing. Uh, Certainly with a guy like Ryan, he's going to be competing in a very, very deep offensive line room, which we mentioned. But there was a lot of talent with him coming out of high school. So having him as healthy as he can, and certainly if he's able to go sooner rather than later, it will only help his chances in what, again, will be a very, very talented and deep offensive line room. But, um, yeah, we will keep an eye on that. I don't hate that idea. I think that's a good idea, Vincent. JW401, good to have you on. They asked, given the state of the wide receiver room, prior to the portal, a change needed to be made. I think you're talking about Justin's step as the step sliding on over. So J W 41 shares his opinion. The ghost says, I know we've been filling up, but hard not to pursue, pursue that treasure of talent transferring out of Bama. I think it all comes down to needs too, right? You know, where are the needs and the other part of it too? When you look at some of these players, I know people don't want to hear this. How much do some of these guys want, right? Because, as you just mentioned, right? Treasure. They, Some of these guys aren't going to look at themselves any differently. And as we know, and I'm, I don't know the specific cases for every player at Alabama that's currently entering the portal. But it's not. It's not uh, uncommon now for guys to have an NIL agent. So what information are they receiving from their NIL agent? Or what is mommy, daddy, uncle, cousin, whatever the case may be, what are they telling them as far as what their worth is? That's not to say every player is looking at it that way, but it's the reality of it too. So again, mentioning the scholarship limit, where South Carolina currently sits at, they're four over, that 85 Max for the scholarship limit Work it will work its way out. It will work it out by the time we get to the fall, which is really when it's all needed to be done. It takes care of itself. That's when you need it to be at 85. And again, this is projected. So you have some players for the cost of 2024 that, like a Matthew Fuller, for example, who's not an early enrollee, like a Dylan Stewart, a Mazio Bennett, a Dante Reno, they're still being factored into this. You know, I've, I've had some people ask me that. You mentioned it a couple times. Are Eddie Lewis and Terrell Dawkins expected to come back? Terrell Dawkins is, Eddie Lewis not. And I think Clint mentions that, that Eddie is out of eligibility. Erlen says, what's up, y'all? Yeah, Currently, currently Terrell is projected to come back. And we will continue to monitor that for you guys because obviously things change sometimes. Greg says, I wonder if these two will collab with receivers in terms of technique. I think you're talking about Justin Step and Coley. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty about having coaches that have coached multiple positions. You know, a guy like Pete Lembo has been able to help out other positions other than just special teams. I know he's a special teams coordinator, but I know for a fact that he's also helped out in other positions. Now, he might not want to necessarily step on people's toes, but he may mention something that he sees when they have these staff meetings. And sometimes the staff meetings might be just from, you know from an offensive standpoint, but sometimes it's collective. So yeah, absolutely And when you look at the way the tight end position has evolved And you look at the talent that South Carolina has in that room Starting at the top with Josh Simon Starting with Brady Hunt And you keep going on down the the list To even a guy like Michael Smith coming in here You have dynamic tight ends who have the ability To go out there and be pass catchers this isn't the freaking 1980s or 1990s for crying out loud where a lot of these tight ends are more are, are asked to to block more than anything now of course last year we brought this up with Josh Simon statistically his stats took a back seat as far as receptions yards all that stuff and it started to pick up towards the end of the season mainly because they were just so banged up on the offensive line and because Josh is so good when it comes to blocking They had to ask him, hey, we need you to come down and block more. Never mind the fact that Trey Knox was banged up. So I think we're going to see more Josh Simon going out and being a threat in the passing game to go along with Brady Hunt. And I think when you look at that wide receiver from South Carolina, we've mentioned this a couple times before, because it's really unproven when you're talking about your six, right? Beamer's mentioned this in the past. They're looking for six guys that they can count on in that wide receiver room. And at least as of today, even though there's some guys who could step up, certainly, and you add the you know transfer portal guys, like a guy like Jared Brown, it's a lot of unproven talent in that room. There's talent, but unproven talent. So what can help things out a little bit? Take the pressure off those wide receivers. Well, of course, if you're able to run the football, number one, but number two, If you have tight ends who have the ability to be pass catchers, because now in a situation where it's third down, if you feel confident having Josh Simon out there or a guy like Brady hunt out there in their abilities, then you can keep them out there. And that obviously takes, you know, one wide receiver off the field. Depending on your personnel. Clint said, "Step had some good individual guys, but the wide receiver room as a whole wasn't very good. Clint is what he says there. Let's see what else we have here. Go says, some say our wide receivers haven't blocked the best. Past couple seasons. However, they seem to catch the ball pretty well. Makes me wonder if our tight ends will be utilized more for passing over blocking now. I think there was just some inconsistencies with blocking. You know, you're looking at a lot of the perimeter blocking. There were times where I felt like South Carolina, especially that first year, that South Carolina did some really good things on the perimeter from a blocking standpoint. I don't know. If this year things just fell off a little bit, I mean, I have to go from game to game because, again, there were times where it stood out, where their blocking looked really good. And then there were times certainly where it wasn't as consistent. So I think more than anything, you need it to be just more consistent, right? I mean, there's no secret to that. You can make a great block. You can pancake someone. You could send someone into the third row next to the popcorn guy. That's great. Can you do it, though? play after play after play. I mean, that's what South Carolina needs more than anything. They have some pass catchers in here. No question about it. I also think too, that when we're talking about blocking, you need to have guys that truly want to block. You need to be able to create that mindset. So with step going over the tight ends, I don't think that just goes out the window. Cause you look at, again, starting with hunt and Josh Simon, Those are two guys that like to be physical. As good as they are as pass catchers, both guys enjoy blocking. Josh Simon, going back to fall camp last year. Some of the blocks he was making. I mean, my goodness. Brady Hunt, I've mentioned this before. I don't like making comparisons, especially when you have a player coming up from a smaller school. However, when you have said tight end, up for the National Tight End of the Year Award on a watch list heading into the season. There's a reason why, especially if he's at a smaller school. And as I've said before, between his size, between what he runs from a 40 standpoint, his speed, he reminds me a lot of when I was covering Hayden Hurst here. So as you guys remember, Hayden Hurst, he was a difference maker as a pass catcher. No question about that. But Hayden also did some phenomenal things as a blocker too. So. I don't think it will necessarily be just two guys out there that will be going out for passes every single time. And obviously, as we all know from this past season, even if that's what they want to do, which I'm not saying they are, they might not be able to have a choice, simply because if the offensive line, again, I'm very high on the offensive line this season. After losing more than 50% of their starters from the previous year, starting snaps. Combined with the number of injuries, injuries they went through last year, it was a recipe for disaster. So that's why I think the offense is going to look better this year. Offensive line is going to look better. Oscar Attaway Jr., good to have you back on. Now, I'm excited to watch your son play. I'm very excited to watch your son play. Going back, I mean, watching his film and seeing some of the things that he did for the Mean Green you look at how dynamic that running back room is for south carolina there's a lot of talent there's a lot of talent in that room and just to get people caught up on oscar attaway the third ranked as the number 15th running back in the transfer portal according to on three's industry transfer portal rankings stands at 511 219 Oscar Attaway Jr., if he's put some muscle on, if he's up to 220-something now, let us know. But we have him down at 5'11", 219. Despite suffering an ACL injury at the start of fall camp in 2021, he ranks fifth all-time in program history at North Texas with just over 1,900 career rushing yards. past season, he rushed for 738 yards, six touchdowns, while averaging six yards per carry. He also had 14 catches for 89 yards. As I've mentioned before in the past, dynamic back. Adway described his game to Gamecock Central recruiting insider Wes Mitchell as being able to be a bruiser while also being able to make an impact as a pass catcher, both outside, right, lined up in the perimeter slot, but also in the backfield as well. He also shared that the staff likes the way he's been able, uh, what he was able to do in pass protection. We've talked about this ad nauseum in the past, right, when we're talking about running backs. What can you do to separate yourself to stay on the field? Gamecock, Greg, Mac, Marcus Lattimore. We've shared this many times before, but for some of our listeners who might not have heard this before, I mean, I feel like I say this, you know, once every other week for crying out loud. What can you do? And Marcus, as he would tell me many times before, if you can do good things and earn the trust of your coaching staff as a pass protector, more times than not, you're going to be able to find a way to stay out there on the field. We saw that with Ta'Carion Joyner very early on, right? And then as the season went on, Mario Anderson was able to continue to improve as a uh, blocker in the passing game, making the transition up from the Division II ranks, and he was able to earn that trust. DJ Braswell, as I've mentioned before, some of the things he was able to do last year especially having to step up with the number of injuries that they went through. Juju went down with a broken collarbone. DK, of course, was banged up at the time. And Braswell, I mean, he made one of the key blocks to help South Carolina win a game for crying out loud last season because of his pass protection. So those are some things I'm looking forward to seeing, not just from Oscar Attaway third, but from these running backs in general. And obviously, there's a lot of excitement about Rocket Sanders because of what he was able to do two seasons ago at Arkansas. Another guy that, that was banged up a little bit. New offensive system last year. Obviously, a very talented running back. But as we all know, saw it a couple of years ago with the quarterback room, right? Saw it last season with the wide receiver. I mean, uh, the running backs, excuse me, can never have enough. Enough, right? You want to be able to have plenty of depth. Offensive line for crying out loud. So, plenty of depth, plenty of depth, plenty of depth. We're going to cut this show a little bit shorter today. I know we typically go over an hour. That will not be the case today simply because we have a Gamecock Central meeting coming up. So, you guys can blame Wes and Chris. I'm just kidding. But we'll wrap things up in a little bit. Um, Oscar Attaway Jr. said he's a big guy. Got to pass protect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Again, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And, and hearing him say that, though, hear him hear him talk about pass protection and something that's that's how, you know, he, that's something that he takes pride in. As you know, Oscar Attaway Jr. You know how important that is. And I know it's it's so easy for fans to get so caught up. And I feel like the, A portion, the good portion of this fan base, they understand the importance of it. But it's so easy to get caught up on. Okay, how many yards rushing does he have? Now, how many of this? How many that? Pass protection is critical, and especially when you look at South Carolina's situation next year from a quarterback standpoint. They are very young. They're inexperienced in that quarterback room, even with the addition of Robbie Ashford from Auburn. And that's where I want to wrap up today's show before we end it. Is just talking about Robbie because. As many of you know, South Carolina, desperately, desperately needed to add a quarterback. They've been able to do that. They've been able to add two. One, of course, from the portal. I'm, excuse me. One, of course, with a scholarship, both from the portal. Uh, the other being a walk-on. So Robbie Ashford, Auburn transfer, appeared in 22 career games during his time with the Tigers. In those two seasons. He threw for 1,758 yards, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. Also very dynamic, though. Gets things done with his feet. Rushed for 927 yards in 12 rushing touchdowns in those two seasons. He has two years of eligibility left. So when we look at Robbie, and when you look at that room for South Carolina, I mentioned this, again, we do our early breakdown. I got to go back and update the running back room with all the additions that South Carolina has had this off season. But when you look at Dante Reno, who enrolled into South Carolina as a true freshman earlier this month, just two weeks ago, you now have Robbie Ashford. And you also have Lenore Sellers from a scholarship standpoint. I also included in this report, Luke Doty, simply because he's someone that has the most experience. At quarterback, at least playing quarterback at South Carolina, despite the fact that he hasn't started a game at USC at QB since 2021, I believe. So. I bring those things up. I bring those things up. um, Simply to say, this is where, you know, USC stands with with this Okay, This is where USC stands with this. And. Obviously, you know we talked about the addition too of Davis Bevel, walk-on quarterback Greenville ties, gonna be able to at least add some depth and competition. I mean, good thing is this when you look at a guy like Reno, when you look at a guy like Sellers, two young quarterbacks in particular, and that's no disrespect to Ashford. That's no disrespect to Bevel, but when you have those two guys in particular, two guys that you recruited, two guys that you feel confident can make this program better. That's why you recruited them. Being able to get them as many reps as possible. This is an opportunity for them. This is an opportunity this spring because you don't have the bodies. Now, as I mentioned in the past, I think this could be a new trend that we see with colleges that you don't have as many quarterbacks. You don't have six quarterbacks. You don't have seven quarterbacks in comparison to what we've seen in the past with college football, simply because And obviously not every quarterback necessarily on scholarship, So, but simply because you know now with the transfer portal, guys can enter the portal every single year if they want. And in a lot of ways, I feel like teams could do something similar, not apples to apples, but similar to what we see in the NFL where you don't carry as many quarterbacks. And that preferred walk-on is more like a practice squad guy. And you also can have an emergency QB and a guy like Luke Doty who will be working mainly with the wide receivers but can also be someone that can get some work in a QB. God forbid something happens. So that's where things are. So South Carolina able to address that need as they move forward with their offseason. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can subscribe for free. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond. If you're going through the process of purchasing a home, you understand trying to find the lowest rate on the market right now is not necessarily easy. And it hasn't been easy for the last, what, really two years do the same thing that Wes Mitchell did, do the same thing that former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth did, and that was call Clint Hammond. He can help you out, make that process easier, find the lowest rate for you. That number is 803-771-6933. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax season is right around the corner, and if you're like me, you're trying to get everything in order to make this tax season easier so that you can overcome taxiety well if you give the folks a call over at liberty tax larry and crew they'll make that happen for you 803-462-5576 again appreciate everyone that tuned in today head on over to youtube head on over to the gamecock central podcast network and also head on over to gamecockcentral.com for the latest on all your gamecock news appreciate everyone that tuned in today we will see you next tuesday on gc live talking tuesday